You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I have just a really, um, the Lord's, he's just arrested my thinking for the last several days, and I know probably with a lot of you, hello, by the way, it's good to see you. Uh, I know probably for a lot of you, You've, you've seen what's going on in, uh, in particular in, in Asbury uh, College there in uh, someplace in Kentucky, Wilmore or something like that. And um, hallelujah. And so I want to speak to some of those things today and speak to what, uh, how we can respond to that and what that looks like for us and how we're supposed to pray, how we're supposed to perceive, you know, those kind of things that the Lord's doing. And, and I want to say this, that... Uh, it's been prophesied for a long time, really even over 100 years, there's been prophecy about the time that we're getting ready to enter in. And it's just like, it's all, this is how I feel as, as a, a pastor, as a senior leader. It's kind of like when you're on a road trip, and it's a long road trip, and you're on your way somewhere, but there's something really cool that you're passing, and everybody's sleeping in the car. And I don't think... You all are sleeping, not all of you anyways. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, it's kind of like when you're passing that and you just want to wake everybody up and say, look, there's the world's biggest rubber band ball or whatever it is because it's really cool. And I just want everybody to be able to take a note of what God's doing in our nation, and which is kind of silly because the reality is, is that it's, it is becoming so prevalent and it will become so prevalent that we won't be able to miss it. Like you would have to stick your head in the sand to miss what God is doing. And I'm really excited because I, I like it when I, when I hit it right. And the Lord showed me some things. Um, one is, is that the, the amount of like revival and awakening, and we've, we've entered into a third great awakening. And some people might say, this doesn't look like it yet. Just hold on. Just wait. It's, it's increasing. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord showed me that what would happen is that there would be um, revival that would break out and things would happen and they would be nameless and faceless. And you know, I went to search for who was responsible for the revival in Asbury and I couldn't find anybody. And I know that there's leaders and different things. Like, don't, don't be mistaken, every great move of God, God uses people to lead that. But when it comes down to it, when you can't put somebody there and go, well, all we can do is just say that God was moving in their midst that's what it's really been about all along anyways. And so the Lord showed me that several years ago that we would see those kind of things happen to where it would be, not that there wouldn't be people leading, but it would the whole thing would be that Jesus has the rightful place, that he's center stage and that he's, he's there. And I believe we're coming into that time when we're gonna see more and more and more and more of that. And the Lord also showed me that it would be so great that the news wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to help but to talk about it. They would have to talk about it. And you know, Fox News, uh, which I think just about this much better about them than I do all the rest of them, but anyways, uh, they have been, I think Tucker Carlson did a piece on the Asbury revival. And so Jesus has his way of being made known and being famous. 
And our job is just to worship him, just to love him, and to fulfill the Great Commission. I mean, we, it's really simple. It really actually is very simple. Love God, love people, tell people about Jesus, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It's really not complicated. We complicate it. But that's what Jesus has told us to do, so that's what we're going to continue doing. Hallelujah. And I had somebody um, tell me this morning, and this really blessed me, I just, it, because I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And he was telling me about, he was seeing some of the things happening at the Asbury Revival, and he said, you know, when I was listening to the music and just listening to some things going on there, he said, I realized that we have quite a bit of that same stuff going on here. You know, it's kind of like when you, when you get inside of something, you can become so used to it that you forget really what you have. And, you know, a lot of you, you know, you've got, you've got you know, good things. Maybe you've got a good marriage or a good home or a really nice car or a nice house. And then you'll go and you'll see things that maybe are a little bit, maybe a little bit less than what you have in that area. And you're like, wow, I really have it better than what I realized. And, and being here with you guys we have an incredible environment that the Lord has, has blessed us with. And I can tell you now, it's not because of me. Liz can tell you, it's not because of me. I, I'm not smart enough. You know, um, Andrew Womack, his, you know, he went from, his ministry started when he was in Vietnam, and his, uh, his bunker that he stayed in was plastered with pornography, and so he knew that he was either going to have to read the Bible or he was going to he was going to get ensnared with everything. Literally, that was all the way, you know, all around him. And so that's where his ministry started. Him and Jesus for thirteen months, and he had his his nose. Literally, he said, "Sometimes I had to put my nose in the Bible so I wouldn't see what was going on around me." And uh, and you know, he came came out of that, and you know, time went on, and now he actually has the largest ministry. Um, dollar-wise, and I think maybe in the world, but definitely in the United States, has over $100 million that come into his ministry. And I think they do amazing things with it. We love and support their ministry, all that. But his mom, about 20 years ago, called him, and I'll never forget him telling the story. And she was like in her 90s then and just, you know, um, called him w- one day and said, and you'd have thought she'd gotten sweeter, but she did, wasn't very sweet apparently, and said, how are you doing, Andy? And he said, I'm doing fine, mom. How's the ministry? It's doing really well. And he said, well, just don't you forget, you're not smart enough to do all this. It can't be anyone but God. And I thought, you know, everybody needs humble people around them to help keep them humble. And, you know, God's given me that with family members and things. So uh, I know what God does is because of God. It's not because of of me. You know, our part is really just to remain... uh, to remain humble and submitted to the Lord and then just watch what God does. This is what the Lord showed me. He spoke to my heart yesterday really strong. And I, I am a revivalist. I believe in revival. I've been contending for a move of God in my heart, in my home, in my family, in my church, and in my region, and in my state, and in my country. Me personally, whatever anybody else does is between them and the Lord. I have resolved in my heart, and it started when I was 18 years old. I made a decision that I was going to contend for God's best. And I've even had I even had people tell me a few years ago, nobody here, but just in a situation, and they literally told me that I was a false heretic for believing that God was going to do those things. And I was like, okay, well, you you don't know anything. And so 
Um, I've just, I believe that. I believe that God wants to do amazing things in our midst, and he's already doing amazing things, and he's going to do more amazing things. And so I recognize, you know, you can, you can identify, uh, you can recognize best what you can identify with most. And yesterday, just as I was praying and, and just listening to the Lord, the Lord spoke to me. And I, I'll say more than he spoke to me, I, I saw, I could feel what's going on in our nation. And there is a faith for revival, a faith, an expectation for a move of God in our country that I don't think was there even two weeks ago. There's something that's been supernaturally settled, particularly on the people of God. And as a matter of fact, um, I met with my couple of my pastor friends here in this town, and I was interested to see like what they thought about what was going on. And there are to- there are different denominations. One's Presbyterian, the other one's Methodist. I mean, we are night and day difference as far as a lot of how we believe and how we do our services and everything like that. And you know what? Both of them guys are so excited about what the Lord's doing, and they're saying we want that to happen in our church. We want that to happen in this town. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. And so there's a stirring happening in the hearts of people all over. And and really, I believe it's at a very grassroots movement. And it's not just on believers, it's on the nation. There is a faith on the nation. Not Not everybody, there's plenty of wicked people that don't want God. But there's a lot of people that don't even know that they need God, but they know they need a change. And they're just saying, I want something different. And the deal is, is that for all of the stuff that we've been working and, and pushing towards and, and releasing and believing God, God for, we're going to see the Lord come through in mighty ways and do things that we never even dreamed of. Not only what we expected, but he's going to surpass our expectations. Hallelujah. So here's what I want to share for a few minutes. And just in the light of this move of God you know, there's a lot of different phrases that you could, you could put on it. I'm going to do my best to articulate things that the Lord has been sharing with me concerning revival, awakening, a move of the Spirit, um, reformation, transformation. There's all these different uh, terms we can use that can depict different things that, that the Lord is doing. And I'm going to do my best to try to put that into really plain language today and in the days to come about what, what it is that I believe that the Lord's doing, because I'm one that I like to know like where the Lord is taking us, although I'm willing to just say, uh, okay, I'll go, even when he says go, like he told Abraham, he said, he said leave your father's house, and he, didn't, he said, into a land that I will, I will call you. Well, an analytical mind, and I tend to be analytical, but an analytical mind will be like, okay, well, show me, um, show me the stops along the way. I want to know an exact path, and when we get into that town or we get into that place, what's my house going to look like, and how many, uh, whatever, commodes. I'm thinking about commodes. We just added a couple commodes, almost. We're almost done uh, out there to help the bathroom situation. You know, I, people like that want to think about all those things. You know, sometimes God will give you a detailed blueprint about things, but other times he'll just say, I want you to pick up and I want you to go. And just trust me. And that's a lot of what it is moving with the Lord that you just trust him. He says, I want you to do this. I want you to go to this place. I want you to start praying this way. And you just do it. And you don't really know how it's all going to turn out. But you know, if you're with God, it's going to be good. Amen. And so uh, I'm going to do my best to try to share some of those things. And one of the things that I think is really important is um, outpouring is another word. And that's what I would probably consider what's happening in Asbury. It is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it's awesome because it's very organic. And you just had people that basically said, God, we just want you. Uh, I listened to part of the message that was given in that chapel hour. 
And it was nothing fancy. It was, it was what I heard was good. It was fine. But it was the people are like, Lord, we want you. And it was like the faithfulness of God and the desire of God met the willingness of the people and something sparked. And so there's a lot of questions that get, get put in that. And so I'm going to do my best to try to answer some of those questions. But when you see like revival, um, awakening, uh, moves of God, outpourings, things like that, we could phrase it like that. Sometimes we use different language to describe different things, and we probably don't always phrase it right. But it's God moving, and then the people responding. But what we haven't seen that we are going to see, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. As a matter of fact, we've got, um, uh, with Ward Ministries, the vision that we have with Ward Ministries is gospel preached, um, hearts awaken, nations reformed. Because I don't want to just see revival or awakening. I want to see reformation. And I believe that that's at the heart of God. Revival or awakening, outpouring will change uh, the condition of people's hearts. It will, will, will awaken people to God and their need for God. But reformation changes how they go about doing things. And if you want to go back and look at a lot of the past revivals, awakenings, you can look at Brownsville. You can look at the Azusa Street. Um, you could look at all kinds of them. And what happened is that many times there was great revival to where God came in and he moved in the hearts of people and they started to see God different. They started to see themselves different. They began to believe God. They got set on fire. But then right after that, things went back to normal. And that's because their, their way that they went about doing things didn't change. And that's where Reformation needs to take place. Because like the Brownsville revival, that church totally fell apart. The building, I had a, a friend of mine that, that lives down in that area. And he's like, the building is like condemned. And they had to like sell it off and, or whatever they had to do with it. I mean, it was not condemned, but in really, really bad shape. And I'm thinking, here's a church that was a, at one point for several years was the epicenter of the move of God. And now the building is dilapidated and the, and the church is split in a bunch of stuff happened to where people aren't there anymore. How can that possibly be? Look at Azusa Street. Azusa Street took place in Los Angeles. Arguably the greatest awakening, revival, whatever you want to, uh, outpouring, however you want to phrase it, that the world has ever seen, arguably. And now that area is arguably the most wicked place on the face of the earth. How is that, hap- how is that possible? It's because there wasn't reformation to change how people go about doing with what God gave them. It's one thing to have a move of God. It's another thing to learn how to continue with God. And that's the difference between experiencing him and, and stewarding what it is that God has, has done and is doing in your midst. And so we carry a revival spirit in this church. We have for a long time. And that's only going to continue to increase and we have, we have things that the Lord has called us into and ways that he's told us to minister and do things that aren't like everybody else, and I'm just fine with that. And sometimes people are like, well, I think that we should do this. Well, then pray for me so that the Holy Spirit will show me. Because I can only do what he, what he tells me to do. And it's interesting, too, let me just say this, that a lot of times people, um, be careful, Kent, don't stray too far from your notes. Um, I have notes that I'm like, I have to say these things and be careful what else I say. Uh, But sometimes people will mistake a move of the Spirit for something that is flesh. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes there are things that people do that look like a move of God, but is not a move of God. And what can happen is that when when people see that this has happened in Asbury, this is happening in Toronto, this, has happened, this happened in the, the Welsh revival. 
what oftentimes people will do is they'll try and go, how did they do that? Okay, they, um, they only used uh, instruments with no electricity. That's our key right there. Well, that has nothing to do with it. It's about people just being surrendered to God and watching what God does. And so instead of just saying, Lord, we want you to move, we want to see you do something in our day, they go and try to reproduce something. And if you birth something, then you have to feed it. If you produce something, then you have to be responsible for it. And here's the other thing, too, is that a lot of times people will see like, you know, as a matter of fact, I was 10 years old in the church that we met, and I remember this guy, he stood up, um, because the way that pastor would run things, he said, does anybody have a word? And there's reasons why I don't do that and why we pass things through, um, you know, a, a channel because it keeps everybody safe and makes sure the words are accurate and uplifting and this pastor at this time didn't do that. And he said, does anybody have a word? And this guy stands up, I'll never forget this. And the room was extremely uncomfortable. And he said, um, he said, pastor, he said, I just came from such and such church. And he said, they worship this way and they do this thing and they do that thing. And this guy went on and you could see the pastor standing up there. And you, looking back, I was 10 and I, I could remember the look on his face. He's thinking, how do I shut this nonsense down? And so finally he goes, brother, thanks, have a seat. And then it was even more awkward in the room. And so it was like, but it, it, made, me, it made me realize that, you know, like people have perspective about what things are supposed to look like. But, you know, when God establishes a work in a people and puts gifting in people, he doesn't put gifting in people for it not to be used. He doesn't put a teaching anointing on a pastor for him not to teach. Does that mean that that pastor should teach all of the time, you shouldn't know. There's other, in fact, we've had times when I didn't pick up the uh, microphone and minister anything. We just worshiped the whole time. I mean, we've had those times. We've had plenty of those times. We've done things like that. Instead of ministering, we'll pray for people. We'll do, it's about following the Holy Spirit. But what we can't do is say, this is a move of God, so we have to have this happen over here if we're going to have a move of God. Really what you need is leadership that is surrendered to the Lord, and they'll follow after the Lord regardless of whatever. That's really what will cause a move of the Spirit to happen. That's true in, in, in a region. That's true in a church. That's true in your own home. If you want to have a move of God in your own home, do you realize that you can have your own personal revival? You can have a revival in your home. You don't have to wait for the preacher to spark revival. You don't have to wait for the, the evangelist to come into town to stir you up. You can stir yourself up. You can cause revival in your own heart, in your own life, in your own home, simply by cooperating with the Holy Spirit. God can totally revolutionize your life. Liz is a a product of that. I'm a product of that. We've made a decision that we're going to go before God daily and say, Lord, what what you want for us is what we want for us. And it's just a continual surrendering before the Lord. And so what is revival? It's simply an act or an instance of reviving. It's the state of being revived. And so if you look at the condition of our nation, you look at the condition of probably a lot of our family members and even the church as a whole, it needs reviving. There's deadness there. There's, there's people that are sleeping and it needs, to be, it needs to be awakened. And so here's a question. I'm gonna give a number of questions and I'm gonna give answers to you that I believe that people are asking or they need to ask. And so this is gonna really stir some things in you. What is the balance of our cooperation in God's decision to move? What is the balance of our cooperation in God's decision to move in particular ways? And here is, here is, um, here is my, my answer. So when you look at Asbury, for example, they had a normal, a quote, normal chap- chapel service. 
And, um, and I hope I'm getting my details right. These are things that I've, I've heard and what I've understood. Normal chapel service, and then there were some of the students that said, hey, we want to seek God more. They started seeking God more, and they just stayed there. And the next thing you know, the whole place has exploded. Well, I can, tell, I can tell you now that there are many hours worth of prayer and worship that happen in this place, whether, whether you're necessarily a part of that throughout the week, it happens consistently here, and we've not seen something like that. So then the question can come into people, and in their minds, what are they not doing? Like People can look at a, at a church and go, well, obviously the Holy Spirit is there, and it's not moving like it is in Asbury or like it was in Brownsville, then they must not be doing something right. See, you have to understand something. There are things that we are responsible for, and there's things that God is responsible for. I can't make, if I could make something like that happen, I wouldn't want to because, again, if you birth it, you have to feed it. The Lord gave this um, in Luke chapter 19. He talks about, it's the parable of the, uh, the, the talents or the, the minas, whatever it is. And, and it says that he told them, and it's this parable of the, the master going away and giving the talents giving that money to the different ones. And he told them, he said in the King James, it says to occupy. And that word occupy there, this is found in Luke 19. It means to take what you have and make more of what you have. But there was one that didn't do that. He went and and buried it and left it alone. Well, what we have to do is what we have, what God's given us, Gifting, particular anointing, understanding, wisdom, revelation, the things that God has given us, we have to continue in those things. We amplify on those things. You know what, you know what this church has on it really, really strong is the ability to disciple people. And it's continue, we're continuing to escalate that. I've got more vision in me for it than what I could possibly sit and tell you here in you know, a short period of time. It's awesome what God's put in me, put in Liz, put in this this church, in the heart of this church to disciple people. And by the way, it was the disciples, the learned ones who turned the world right side up. Because it's not enough just to experience God. You need to know how to continue to experience God. I've met more people. And by the way, I'm for revival, awakening, all of that. So don't misunderstand me. But I've met more people destroyed post-revival, become worse off post-revival than they were beforehand because once the emotion leaves, once the, once the, the, the height of that experience isn't there because they, they have to go home and, and work and pay bills and things like that that we all have to do and there's nothing wrong with any of that and they, they miss that feeling. They wonder, what is going on in my life? Where has God gone? God hadn't gone anywhere. It's just that it doesn't always look like you're in a church service all the time. And by the way, if the Lord moves in that kind of particular way and says, Kent, I want you to carry on service. I want you to do this. And I don't want you to go anywhere. I'll say, yes, sir. I'm yours to command. I will do anything that the Lord tells us to do. But what I won't do is take what God's given us and not multiply the avenues that he's told us to multiply. Come on, somebody. So here's the deal is that, and let me read this first. This paints it really clear. Acts chapter one, six through eight. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom kingdom to Israel? Good question. And so he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has placed within his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so what he was saying here is there's things that you have authority 
in, and there's things that I have authority in. And don't worry about what I have authority over. You just worry about what I've given you authority over. This is how I view revival. I believe God. I have faith for it. And we are in revival in this church. If you don't know that, then you have your eyes closed and come up here and we'll, we'll pray for you. Amen? Uh, not right now, after the service, okay? Uh, but there is revival happening in this church. You know how we know? Because the fruit of revival is transformation. When revival happens, it's new life and it's transformation. So when you start to see people that, that have transformation take place, it's the fruit of revival. It just doesn't look like people filing out the door waiting to come in and sit and worship the Lord, but it is happening. And so we have to understand that as long as we're faithful to do what God's telling us to do, we stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we follow his lead in everything, what he does and when he does and how he does it, that's his business, not ours. And I'm never going to come to a place to where I say, Lord, do hear what I might say, Lord, do hear what you did on the day of Pentecost but I'm not going to compare to any other move than what's, in, than what's in the word of God. What he's doing in Asbury, man, I thank God for what he's doing there. I thank God for what he's done in times past and, and, and places. I thank God for the different moves that are happening all over the earth. There's more movement of the Holy Ghost and revival that's taking place all over the globe than there ever has been at any point in the time of our history, and it's only escalating. And I thank God for all of it but I'm not gonna try to be somebody different than what God says that we're supposed to be. I mean, I feel the spirit of the Lord really strong on this thing because people, what I, what I noticed when I was a kid, and, and I'm not, I mean, look, if the Lord tells you to go visit Asbury, man, go and take, take from it and come back. Like, I'm not discouraging any of that. But I, when I was a kid is when the Brownville re- revival was happening. And what happened is that people went and they came back and they compared and said, we need to do this and we need to do that. And we're not doing enough of this and we're not doing enough of that. A lot of it because there was a lot of legalism involved. And when you get legalism involved, man, it'll destroy anything. And so there was a lot of that happening. Instead of people just being okay with who they were, they tried to be somebody different than who God had made them to be. So it's extremely important. Why am I saying all this? Let me show you this verse in Proverbs chapter four and verse seven. Listen to this. It says, wisdom is the principal, and I'm emphasizing P-A-L, not P-L-E, but wisdom is the principal, or we would just say principle, but P-A-L thing. Therefore, get wisdom. What is that saying? There's a difference between P-A-L and P-L-E. Do you know that P-A-L is the person in charge of a school? The principal? Principal is the one in charge of the school. And you know the principal makes principles? Principles are what guide your life. Principal is the governing factor. And all of your getting and everything you do, get wisdom for it is the governing factor in your life. Lord, revival's going on over there. What should I do? You ask, what does this look like for me? How do I participate in it? How do I partake from it? How do I draw from that? How do I glean from that? How do I implement that? How do I grow in my life? That's wisdom crying out saying, let let me, and God is the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom comes from him. Wisdom was there when the world was created, right? It's what it says in Proverbs chapter eight. I was there in the beginning crying out wisdom, wisdom, wisdom has always been there. It's from the spirit of God, and it's the thing that's supposed to govern us in everything that we do. This is Revival wisdom is what I'm trying to give you here today. So question, should we desire the same thing? And here's a bunch of questions I'm gonna ask you as Asbury. And I kind of already answered, but let me be very precise. And my answer is yes, but. 
Yes, we should desire to be hungry and to see a move of God, but we should not attempt to duplicate the outcome. And like I said, whoever gives birth is responsible to feed what they birth. You know who birthed what's happening in Asbury? God did. So he's responsible to take care of it. You know that when revival hits on, on that kind of magnitude with a group of people, it causes a lot of problems. You say, but it's glorious. Yeah. Who's cleaning the bathrooms? That's what I want to know. They probably were used to like, you know, 300 people or something, like two times a week or something. I don't know what their, what their numbers are, but let's just say probably something like that. And now they have like, you know, 2,000 people a day or that's a problem. Where do they park? What are you going to do with them when they're standing outside? What happens when the weather's bad? What? I mean, all of these things that go into it, revival causes problems. It's worth it. So we have to steward whatever God gives us. But if God births something, he will feed it. He will raise up the people. He will send the finances. He'll do whatever. And this is why I've learned, and I have this conversation very often, because um, Katie and I, I mean, we're all, you know, we're brother and sister. Liz is my wife. Katie's my sister. Just always try to be clear about that. But Katie and I have this really interesting dynamic. It's her, her job description is um, uh, director of ministry and operations. And on our flow chart, that's how we have it. But um, it's also Kent's older sister. And so we have this back and forth thing that we do. And sometimes people will come in, they're like, you guys are okay? We're like, we're fine. We've been doing this for 40 years, you know? So <laughs> not really, it's not that heated. I'm just kidding. But we have a little bit of that brother-sister thing that's there. And I'll often say this, because we find needs that arise. This, kind of, this group of people needs ministry. We got to do something about it. We've got a problem over here. We got to do something about it. And I'm usually the one, although sometimes she is, but I'm usually the one to step back and say, are we being moved by need? Or are we being moved by the Holy Spirit? Because if we're being moved by need, and sometimes that, that just happens, but if we're being moved by need, we have to be really careful that we go, don't go and try to meet a need because the needs are always greater than the amount of people there are to meet the needs. Lord, what are you telling us to do right now? What are we supposed to do with the money? What are we supposed to do with the people? It's always about stewarding what it is that God's given you. So how should we pray? Here's another question. Um, how should we, oh, excuse me, I, I missed one. Should we ask him, for more? Should we ask God for more? And I'm talking spiritually. Here's the first, and really this is practical too. Here's the first rule of, re of revival. Be grateful for what you already have before asking for more. There's a lot of people, and I was involved in circles, and Liz and I were involved in some circles to where it was like, God, we need more. God, pour out your spirit. All this stuff. And there was no like, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. So like if you're asking God for more and you're not thankful for what you already have, you're not really stewarding what it is that you already have. So why would God give you more of something to not steward well? First rule of revival, be grateful for what you already have before asking or believing for more. So why should we say give us more when we don't do anything with what we already have. And oftentimes that is the truth. We are not utilizing what we already have. How should we pray for revival? This is where it gets meaty. How should we pray for revival? I'm just trying to answer questions that I think people could be asking or even should ask. And here is the answer. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Then you die. 
Remember Jesus in the garden? He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass before me. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And the next thing that happened is that he went to the cross, right? He was, he was tortured, all that. He went to the cross and he died. Why did he die? It was so that resurrection could happen. It, if we don't come to a place of death, there cannot be a resurrection. We want the resurrection power, the revival power of God in our life. We first have to come to a place of dying. We have to die to self. You can't have resurrection without death. It's, a, uh, it's an impossibility. It can't happen. It can't work. So our, the way that we pray for revival is, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And you know that that has become one of the staple prayers for, for our life? Because here's the thing. Here's why, I, here's why I have the right to speak to you the things that I'm speaking to you today is because I've lived this. I haven't lived it perfectly, but when I was 18 years old and God touched me in my car that night, it forever changed and put a hunger in me that has sparked revival in my own life. I can't stand up here and say I've led a Brownsville revival. I haven't. Or we have an Asbury outpouring because we haven't. But what, what you have is you have two people that are totally lit on fire by the Spirit of God and live, not perfectly, but we live in a state of being revived. And I'm telling you how you do it is you first have to die. Because if you find an area of flesh, it's that that area of flesh has not been killed. You need to kill that thing. You need, <laughs> you need to be done with it. The old man's dead and buried, but the problem is that we still have fleshly thinking sometimes that we're like, yeah, let's open on that coffin back up and throw that part back in there and close it, amen? Like, we gotta get rid of some of those things that are still hanging on to us, flesh, wrong ideas, wrong thinking, and if we can do that, we, we make room for God to move. So what is the purpose of Revival. And here's the answer, to ignite greater connection and consecration to the Lord in a person or a people. It's not about a set of meetings. It's about hearts awakened unto him. It's about having a deepening of connection and consecration to the Lord. That's why God comes and moves in a people in a particular way is to cause them to be connected to him and go deeper and higher with him. And so in those, in those settings, in those meetings, in those revivals, in those awakenings, there is basically a demand from the, Holy from the Holy Spirit that you surrender everything over to me. And when you find people that will do that, God can move in their midst. You know, God can do anything except move in people that are unwilling. True story. So what is the fruit of revival? I mentioned this as transformation. If people are having, you know, I, I've been involved in some different Pentecostal circles over the years that it was... <laughs> You know, I mean, it was all the motions of what seemed like to be, you know, Holy Ghost fire, and, but that's all it was. It was motions. It was form without any power. And, you know, the people did all of the... I was leading worship one time in a small group, and, and I, the door was open. We were in her mother's living room, and I was worshiping, and I was so scared to lead worship that I was just like this the whole time, you know, playing, whatever. And uh, the next thing I know, it got quiet because I stopped playing, and it got quiet right in the middle of the worship, and I hear this... I was like, Jesus, sounds like there's a ghost in this room, but I don't think it's the Holy Ghost, you know? And then I heard this, and all this moaning going on. I'm like, what? I look up, and this, this lady with this long uh, dress on was down on the floor. I don't even know where she came from. I don't even know how she found us. She was over there going like this and rocking back and forth. And uh, 
I got to talking to that lady afterwards, and I realized she was not very transformed. She was pretty much a mess. And, you know, the deal is, is that you can have all of the, the, the acts and the works of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean that there's any transformation that's happened in your life. That's why we're not supposed to copy anybody. We're just supposed to listen. God, what are you telling us to do? You want us to do that? Yes, sir, we'll do that thing. Because if you follow the Lord, you'll always end up in the right place. And, you know, here's something that's very true. Every, there, there are, this is, how, this is how I view the kingdom of God. There's only one Lord. There's one senior leader for the universal church. There's a coin toss between me and Jesus, and Jesus won. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm only kidding, okay? Jesus, Jesus, I'm just trying to lighten the air a little bit. Jesus is the senior leader of the church, but he has this. He has apostolic people over regions and areas that he's raising up works to do his business in that area. And do you know that there is a mantle There is a mantle. I believe that there's a mantle on this church to do a work that God has for this region. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Truth be told, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, but I believe that there's a mantle on this church, on this work to do something significant that God has for us and to bring transformation to many. Hallelujah. So let me say this. Um, in Luke chapter five, and I'm, I'm gonna finish with this and, and pray. Did you guys get something out of this? Um, in Luke chapter five, verse 37, it says this. It says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else then the wine will burst, the wineskins, wine excuse me, burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So let me say this, if we find ourselves still drinking the old wine, but want the new, but we don't have the new, it probably reflects our capacity more than our desire. A lot of times people are saying, God, we want new, we, we want what you have, we want the moving of the Holy Spirit, God, we want it to be fresh, fall on me fresh, but, and their desire is right, it's there, but their capacity to receive it isn't. It's kind of like the person that would say, Lord, I want the moving of the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit, and I don't want any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, how can the Lord come in and give him all of him and then say, no, I don't want you to have all of you in me, just part of you in me? That doesn't work very well. So what happens is that when the Lord is wanting to do something, we have to make sure that our capacity is at the place for it to handle what it is that God's wanting to do. What is he saying? What is he speaking? What's the Spirit of the Lord prompted on us? Are we ready to handle what God has? And we would all like to say, oh, yes, Jesus, I'm totally 100% ready, but this is what I do. This is, my, this is my norm now. When God gives me a vision, he shows me things, he reveals things to me, my immediate thing is, thank you, Jesus, and then my next thing is, what do you need to change in me to prepare me to handle the more? Because I need my capacity spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, my quiet time with you. Everything needs to be stretched and expanded to be able to hold the new. So in the natural, what this parable is talking about, or what this analogy is talking about, it's that whenever you, and I don't know anything about wine, but this is what I do know to be true about it, is that, you know, back in the day, they would have, you know, wine skins that they would put wine in but they would have new wine with new wine skins. And then what would take place is that the wine, when it was poured in, it would expand. 
And what it would do is it would expand that new wineskin and stretch it. So then once that wine was gone, the old wine was gone, if anybody were to take new wine and put it into that wineskin, if it were to go to stretch more, it would burst it. And not only would the wine be wasted, but also the wineskin. Do you know that you are the wineskin? And if you are at a place to where you're crying out for more and you're not seeing it, it's the mercy of God that you're not seeing the more because you're not ready to handle it. So how do we determine that? The only thing I know to do is just to stay before the Lord and say, change me, mold me, make me, grow me, mature me, disciple me, fix anything in me, show me whatever you want to show me so that when the more comes, I'm prepared to handle the more. Because I don't think anything would be more terrible than to have the Lord do something significant and we're like, oh, well, we weren't expecting this. Or to have the Lord do, you know, one of the saddest things is to be in a service and to see the Lord doing something significant and have people go. (sighs) You want to know what a demon looks like in a church service? That's not how my pastor did it. You know, I mean, it's like, if the Lord's moving, who cares what it looks like? And who cares if you agree with it? God doesn't, God does not consult us on whether we agree with what he's doing before he decides that he's going to do it. But what he does decide to do, because he's loving and he's wise, it's the love of the father and it's the wisdom of the master to look at us and go, they want that. I'm glad they're asking me, but they're asking the wrong question. They're asking if they can have it. The answer is already yes. The question they need to be asking is, am I prepared to handle what it is that you want to give me, Lord? Because oftentimes that's the very reason why we're not able to receive it. Look at this. This is the last verse I'm going to read, Isaiah 54 and verse 2. Look at this. This is a great, a great personal word that we can take upon ourselves to pray and ask the Lord. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. This is a faith verse, but it's also a reality of capacity verse. It's like God has more for you, but are you willing to make room for the more that God has? And if God has more for you, are you willing for it to look like a different decor in your life and in your heart than what you currently think it needs to to be, than what you think it needs to look at? I read a book one time called God's Happy Hour, and even reading the book stretched me a lot. And it was just a little bitty book. Somebody gave it to me, and they probably knew that I needed to read it, but it gave it to me, and it was about this guy who was a very, he was a minister, he loved God, but he was very conservative in every sense of the word. And then God did something in him and he flipped his, his ministry like totally upside down right on his head. And what happened is that people started coming into his services totally, and they would leave, come in and, uh, and ha- this would happen and they would leave and they would, this would happen. They were totally wasted in the spirit. And, I, and I've met many people that are like, well, read the Bible. It says on, on the day of Pentecost that people were like, are these folks drunk? Why are they acting like this? Peter's like, okay, I'm the designated driver, right? He, Peter stood up and he said, look, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost, man. And so there had to be some explanation that, that took place. And when I read this book, what happened is that this guy would have people come in and they were doing weird stuff. 
And if I told you some of the weird stuff, you'd be like, oh, that's not God. That's the, oh, that's flesh. If I told you, you'd, it would probably freak you out if I told you some of the stuff. But they had testimony as people being delivered from drugs. There was a testimony, I remember, of somebody that came in that had just witnessed a murder and, when, and, it, and it totally messed them all up. And then they came into this meeting and they couldn't even remember the murder anymore. They literally was wiped from their memory and they had all this supernatural stuff that took place. But it took that guy, that minister, being willing for God to do something in him and flipped his ministry totally all the way around to where he wasn't really hip on like people being drunk in the Holy Ghost to where his entire ministry became not- um, uh, notarized, not notarized, notified. Notorious, thank you. And then I knew it was an N-O word. Notorious for that kind of stuff taking place. See, when the Lord wants to do something, we just have to be willing to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, but really mean it. I mean, really mean it. It's kind of like when your spouse says, you know, where do you want to go to dinner? And you're like, you know, I don't really care. And they're like, awesome, well, we're going here. And they're like, well, I don't really like that. And it's like, well, if you're going to say it, you should really mean it. <laughs> say what you mean, mean what you say. And with the Lord, we have to be willing to do that, but then to follow it up and say, Lord, whatever you need to do in me, in my heart, and in my life, do the work so that I can have the thing that it is that you want me to have. See, the Lord has workings and ways and things that are so far beyond where we are right now. And what the church needs to do is it needs to expand its capacity, take on new wineskins so that God can do what he wants to do. On the day of Pentecost, nobody had ever been filled to the point of, of, according to our records, nobody had ever been filled to the point of looking like they were drunk. But yet God did it. I'm, I'm not saying I want God to do that. I'm saying I want God to do anything that he wants. And all my responsibility is like, Lord, I want you to enlarge the place of my tent and, let my, and, and I'll stretch out my curtains of dwellings for you to come in. I'm not going to spare. I'm going to lengthen my cords and strengthen my stakes to be prepared to handle what it is that you want to give me. And that's how you prepare yourself for revival. That's how you prepare yourself for the more. And regardless of what God does corporately, what he does regionally, you can make a choice to have him move in your life. You can make a choice to have him move in your heart. You can make a choice for God to come in and do a work in you. And if there is something that this generation is crying out for more and more and more all the time, the younger, what's the youngest generation? His age, youngsters. Gen Z, that generation, they're realizing, and I I gave these statistics like 10 years ago, that so for like the last 10 years, 15 years, what's been happening is that there's been a trend of people getting to the place of high school graduating, not only do they leave church when they go to college or go to the tech school or whatever it is, not only do they leave church, they leave the faith. Like 80% of them, like that's staggering. Staggering numbers of them are leaving the faith. And you know what? You want to know the number one reason why is because they felt that church had no relevance in their life. And you know why? Because they saw people that were older than them, talk about how great God was because most of them had experienced God, but at the same time, they were in form without power and they wouldn't let God move anymore within their midst. And so the younger generation, come, they, 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 they come up in this and they're like, they're hearing God's great. We love God. We got to serve God. And what you have is the older people operating in an old wineskin 
operating in the old ways, not allowing the newness of the spirit and the younger generation are going, I can't relate to that. I've had people say, how come we don't sing more hymns? And I'm fine with hymns. Some hymns are the most amazing songs and some of them are total garbage. And I've had people say, we need to sing hymns. And you know what? My heart goes, and I didn't mean that in in an overly sarcastic way, but just let me just say this. My heart goes out to people that experience the Lord under the hymns, under that kind of teaching, under that kind of thing, because God really did move. But what's he doing now? What's he breathing fresh life in now? What kind of music and things is he ministering through now? Because God is a now God. He's moving now with people. He's releasing fresh word. He's releasing fresh fire. He's releasing fresh revelation. Are we willing to step in and say, I'll receive that? And a lot of times people are scared because they're like, That's, I, don't, I don't know about that. I, it's, it's, listen, if it's in the word, it's right. The message should never change, but the methods do change. Music changes, preaching style changes, attire changes. But it doesn't matter if the message is there, if the word is there, if the Holy Ghost is there. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And this is the very reason why... And we, on occasion, we'll do some hymns. And I've even told them, I'm like, you know, maybe we should go back and do some of those. They reach people and touch people in that generation. I don't know how to balance it all out. But one thing is for darn sure, I refuse to lose the younger generation because I am unwilling to change and stay a dinosaur and stay stuck in the old ways of God moving and not be willing to take on the freshness of what he's doing now. And if you can just open your heart up And I think that there's wineskin and and new wine being poured out for the church as a whole, but, you know, in local churches, but church as a whole. And if you take some of the songs, and some of them, honestly, they're coming through some people that I'm thinking, man, I wish you understand some things better how to vote, because a lot of these musicians, they're, they are like part of the left coast. And so anyways, but, but they have an anointing on them and they release songs that are so unbelievable. And I'll ask people something, I'll be like, have you, have you heard the song uh, Communion? Ever listened to the song Communion? Take me back to the garden, the place where I belong. People are like, well, I'm not into that newfangled music. I'm like, wait a second, the spirit of God is breathing something fresh. Do you not want what's fresh from God? I do. I want what's fresh from God. It's not just about the music. It's about whatever God is pouring out, whatever he's releasing. So your prayer, my prayer needs to be, God, enlarge my heart. I'm making room for you, God. I'm making room for you. If it violates your word, I cast it out. If it doesn't sit well with me, maybe I don't understand something. Maybe it's wrong. I'll put it on a shelf and let you reveal it to me. But God, if it's you, if it's your word, if it's your spirit moving and it brings life and transformation, I am all in. you got to enlarge your heart. You have to do it. You are the one that's a steward over this. And I don't mean your physical heart. I mean the heart of your soul, the way you think, the way you believe. You're in charge of that. So you have to be the one to go in there and till up the ground and say, Jesus, put in there anything you want. Plant the seed that you want in there. I'm going to water it. And I'm going to believe that you, that you're going to bring increase into my life in the way that you need to bring increase. Thank you, Jesus. I know that most all of you in here and probably those watching online agree with what I'm saying here, but this is a reminder. Let's move with God. Let's stay fresh. And I hate to use the word relevant, but relevant with God. We're not trying to be relevant with the culture, just relevant with God. What's he saying? What's he doing? And to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter. 
you watch, there will be people that be like, well, Asbury, all they have is a guitar, a slap box, and a piano. That's what we need. And you know what they're going to find? Nothing more than what they had before. It doesn't matter the instruments you use. It doesn't matter the building that you meet in. Are you the church of God? Will you worship him? Then do it. It doesn't matter whether we have the lights on or the lights off, the lights bright, the lights dim. If we have black lights in here, it doesn't matter. It'd be weird, but it doesn't matter. If God's here, it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. And you have this younger generation that they listen. And I'm not talking about you guys. I think the older folks in here, you guys are like my heroes. You're awesome. I'm not looking at anybody calling them old, by the way. I'm just saying, if you feel that that bill fits you, then you take it, amen? But I, I, I mean, I think you're awesome. But there's a, like, a lot of generation of older people that they don't get this, and they're like, why, is the, why are the younger people not coming to church? Because they can't relate to you. The older is supposed to lay up for the younger. Paul said that I am your father, and I have laid up for you. And he said, I've already told you this three times. This is what he said. I've already told you this three times, but I'm coming to you again because you have need to hear it again. In other words, you should have known better by now. You look at the younger generation, they should love Amazing Grace. They should love the old rugged cross. They should love Just As I Am. They should love, I'm trying to name some of the good ones. They should love those, but they don't. Is the song more important or is Jesus and the Spirit of God more important? The latter is what's important. Amen? If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com. 